one-week series called Spark. Spark. You can make a difference. Just like a spark can set a forest on fire, you can have a positive difference in your home, in your office, in your place of of, uh, employment. You can make a difference for the Lord. And we've talked about three different things up to this point. Uh, A spark of kindness. You'll never go wrong by being kind. We talked about a spark of understanding. Not judging people, but trying to understand where they're coming from. And then last week we talked about the spark of generosity. This morning I want to talk about a fourth spark that you have to talk about if you're talking about following Jesus. It's the spark of forgiveness. Because our entire gospel message is really based around this concept of the need of forgiveness and receiving forgiveness. Forgiveness really is man's most deepest need. It really is. But it's also man's highest achievement. We have been forgiven much by the Lord. We need to, in turn, forgive others. We don't think often that the forgiveness that we receive vertically is, in some ways, tied to the forgiveness that we give horizontally. But Jesus talks about it in Matthew. It's the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. He's giving basic teachings to his disciples. And we get to chapter 6, and it's what we call the Lord's Prayer. It's really the believer's prayer, because in context, they're talking to him and saying, Jesus, how should we pray? And he says, don't be like the hypocrites, and don't be like the Gentiles who just babble on. And, but when you pray, pray like this. And it's what we call the Lord's Prayer. It's a model. It's not a prayer that necessarily should be recited like some kind of mantra, although it's good to memorize it. It's good to recite it. But it's really more of a model of how we should pray. And in that prayer, he talks about the necessity of forgiving others so that we are forgiven ourselves. Now that causes some alarm in certain circles because you think, oh man, does that mean that I'm going to lose my salvation if I, I don't forgive my honorary neighbor that's done me wrong? So today we want to explore that, and I, I really hope the Holy Spirit will help you understand there's actually two different kinds of forgiveness, and we'll talk about that. And we'll figure out through the inspiration and the help of the Holy Spirit why it's so important that you and I extend forgiveness to one another. It's really the high road of integrity. That great theologian, Benjamin Franklin, oh no, he wasn't a theologian, was he? But he did say some pretty uh, wise things. And Benjamin Franklin said this, Doing an injury will put you below your enemy. Revenging one makes you even with him, but forgiving it sets you above him. Remember how we've talked that Jesus always raises the standard? Always. He raises the bar. Here we see it again. Forgiving is the higher standard that the Lord wants us to do. 
Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse number 9, Jesus says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon, and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Now your version might have the word debts, or trespasses, or offenses. Don't get hung up on that. Our sins, our offenses, our trespasses, they're all good synonyms to help us understand if there's an offense of some kind. Forgive. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And then Jesus says in verse 14, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. That verse has been used as a big club to club people over the head with. Like, don't you know, if you don't forgive them, you're going to lose your salvation. That verse has been really taught in a way that it wasn't intended when Jesus said it. Now remember, this whole thing is a model. And forgiveness is critical in this model of prayer. But it's also critical that we have a concern for God's name. That's how he starts out, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. If you call yourself a Christian, you are representing Jesus Christ. So everything you do should bring him honor, should glorify him. It should represent him well. And then we need to have a concern for God's purposes. Not our agenda, but his purposes. A true disciple understands that. Your kingdom, Lord. It's not about earthly kingdoms. It's about your kingdom. And then we have to have a concern for God's provision, which will lead us to pray, God, give us the food we need today. Give us the clothes we need today. Give us the abilities we need today that in all things we can glorify your name, that we can glorify you. And then Jesus talks about this desire that we need to have for forgiveness. Forgiveness, again, is probably the strongest spiritual need of any child of God. And it's absolutely essential to forgive others if you want to be in right relationship with God. This word forgive is alluded to about six times, depending on your translation. But you'll see five or six times the word forgive is alluded to in the text that I just read. Forgiveness of sin is the heart. It's really the theme of this whole petition. And in it, sin is pictured here as a debt. Now, most evangelical churches do use the word debt. We say, if we're reciting it, forgive us our debt as, or forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. A lot of Protestant churches use the word trespasses. Forgive us our trespasses. 
New Living translates it sin. But again, don't get hung up on that. But we need to realize that when this was written, the word forgive had a connotation of a debt, not a financial debt here, but a moral or a spiritual debt. We all have moral or spiritual debts. This was written in a Jewish context. And the whole Jewish concept of sin in biblical times is one of debt. The Jews believed that the primary responsibility of God was to obey him. That's why they had all the rules and regulations and they had all the hoops to jump through. They had to do all that because they believed their responsibility was to obey God. Because to obey him was to become his debtor in which the payment was made for your sin. So it's all tied in to their theology. Now we know Jesus has come and he's fulfilled the law and he says, oh no, you no longer have to keep all those rules and regulations because your debt is forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ. And by faith, as we lean into Jesus, we know that our sin has been forgiven. It is a gift and it is by God's grace alone. But a true disciple will continue to ask God to forgive him, to cancel his debt, but why do we need to continue to do that if our sins have already been forgiven? See, that's a quandary. I believe when you come to God and you say, God, I understand I have sinned against you, and I am going to accept the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ as a payment for those sins. And your guilt is gone, your shame is gone, your punishment is gone. And we believe, and the Bible teaches, your sin, past, present, and future, has been forgiven. So if my future sin's been forgiven, why is Jesus saying, hey, you need to ask God to forgive your sins. Why is that? Doesn't the Bible teach they're already forgiven? That's where we need to understand there are actually two types of forgiveness. And the first one is called judicial. When you come to God, when you accept Christ, it's like coming to a judge. He forgives your sin. Now, the theological term is justification. You are justified in his eyes, which means it's just as if your sin had never happened. Man, that's wonderful. So you are forgiven once and for all for every sin that you've ever committed or ever will commit. And positionally, you are a child of God. Your salvation is secure. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, all of us have sinned. We have fallen short of the glory of God. If you continue on in Romans, we used to call it the Romans road. In Romans 6, 23, it says the wages of sin is death. Separation from God, not only here, but separation from God for all eternity. But friends, Jesus took that punishment for us. He went to the cross. He paid for our guilt when he was separated from God. 
and from that fellowship that he had with his father. Therefore, on the basis of faith in Jesus and death, God forgives all of our sins. It's a judicial act of forgiveness. Let's look at Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. Paul writes, You are dead because of your sins, because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all your sins. Hallelujah! That is judicial forgiveness. And judicial forgiveness assures us that we are going to heaven after our time here on this planet. Because every sin, past, present, or future, has been forgiven. Now I know that you can make a willful decision to turn your back on that gift. And you can begin to sin purposely. But what I'm talking about is if you are following Christ, if you want to please Him, if you've asked Him into your heart, and you mess up, and you sin, friends, you don't lose your salvation. But what you will lose is your intimate fellowship with God, which is the second kind of forgiveness we all need, and I want to just call that fellowship forgiveness. So the judicial forgiveness, salvation. And then there's walking through this life with lots of bumps and bruises and hurt feelings and misunderstandings and we all get hurt and we all have need to be forgiven and we all have a need to forgive. That is called fellowship forgiveness. And I want you to understand what Jesus is teaching here in the Lord's Prayer, is about fellowship forgiveness. Notice it says, our Father. It doesn't say, our eternal righteous judge, maker of heaven and earth. Now, God someday will judge. But friends, here, this is not talking about coming to a judge to have your sins forgiven this is talking about coming to a father to reconcile the fellowship, the friendship, the intimacy that you have with him. Man, one desire the child of God has is forgiveness of sin. The sin that separates you from the one who has saved you and loves you. See, our sin breaks that. It's like if you're married... And you have an argument with your wife or your husband. And there's tension. And you notice because, you know, you're sleeping in the bed and your spouse is sleeping out in the family room. And you're all walking on eggshells. You're still married, right? But your relationship needs restored. Has nothing to do that you're married. Your relationship needs to be restored. Sometimes, as born-again, saved Christians, our relationship to God needs restored because we haven't forgiven other people. That's what he's saying here. If you forgive those who sin against you horizontally, then 
you'll be in right relationship with the Father. But if you refuse to forgive your brother, your sister, your neighbor, your employer, your grandson, your uncle, the person who cut you off in rush hour traffic, if you refuse to forgive, your Father will not forgive your sins. Not talking about salvation, talking about fellowship. Why do I need to forgive people? It's because I want sweet communion, a fellowship, an intimate walk with Jesus. Man, everything's great between Pastor Jeff and I. But let's say we had a little disagreement. And we just kind of tolerated each other for two or three days, but we could feel tension. We could feel conflict. The Bible's teaching here, because I've got conflict with another brother, I have conflict with God. It has nothing to do with salvation. It has to do with my well-being. It has to do with whether I want to come to work and be with him in the same office complex. You know what I'm saying? So, it interrupts my communion with God. So I need to forgive Pastor Jeff because I need to be made right with God. I cannot be at odds with a brother and be in alignment with God. So it's not so much about reconciling with one another. You always hope that happens. You know, you want to reconcile with those that you've got odd against or have odd against you. That might or might not happen. The point here is you want to be reconciled through forgiveness so that there'll be nothing hindering your relationship with God himself. That's what this means. Your sin against a brother, your unforgiveness, your bitterness breaks the intimacy of fellowship with the Heavenly Father. Now in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, there's a scripture that we quote and we often use in the arena of salvation. But if you really go back and look, this has nothing to do with salvation. It has to do with fellowship forgiveness. Remember, Colossians 2.13 was about judicial forgiveness. 1 John 1.9 is written to believers, right? We all know that, or most of us know that. And it says, if we confess our sins to one another, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. That's not about our salvation or about our position in Christ. <laughs> it's about our fellowship, our fellowship with Christ that can be interrupted when you're not forgiving those who have harmed you or hurt you. And remember, a few months ago, I did a, a, a message on extreme forgiveness. I talked a lot about Corey Ten Boom, showed pictures and used examples See, forgiveness does not require someone asking you to forgive them. You can forgive someone whether they want you to forgive them or not. Because forgiveness is not for their sake, it's for your sake. And I'm telling you this morning, it's for the sake of your relationship with Christ. According to what Jesus is teaching us here in Matthew chapter 6. The Apostle Paul expresses the deep hatred every believer has for his sin as we struggle with the flesh. Romans 6 and 7 talks about that. Paul says, I, I do those things that I don't want to do, and the things I do want to do, I, I don't do. I don't understand all that. I, I hate that. 
And I don't know about you, but I have learned to love Jesus where I don't want anything to break my, my communion with him, my fellowship with him. And that if, if that means I've got to forgive someone who has hurt me, then so be it. Because I don't want anything to get in that intimate relationship that Jesus has for me and he has for you. The third point today is that we need to embrace the fact that we are forgiven. I mean, I know there's many people who just struggle in forgiving themselves. They forgive others, they accept forgiveness, but they just can't forgive themselves. But the Holy Spirit will help you. You've got to forgive yourself because that can also hinder the relationship. If God forgives you, Man, forgive yourself so that you can walk in harmony with the Lord. That is part of that fellowship forgiveness. As judicially forgiven children, we long for that close and personal fellowship with our Heavenly Father. And sometimes grief over sin or concern for purity leads us, you know, to, to confess our sins and to ask God to forgive our debt. And according to Jesus, we need to do that if there's any kind of tension, any kind of ought, any kind of hurt or unforgiveness between you and someone else. Before coming to Christ, that wasn't our mode of operation. We would hold grudges. We would try to get even. Or as Benjamin Franklin said, we would even you know, try to inflict hurt or harm on the, those people. Paul said in Titus chapter 3, we ourselves were once foolish and we were disobedient and deceived and serving various lusts and pleasures, living in envy, hateful and hating one another. But when you ask Christ in your heart, man, and you have received forgiveness, we are now children of a loving God who carries his name. We are to be loving. We are to be forgiving. We are to be people who walk in grace. We've gone not only from sinners to saints, we've really gone from haters to forgivers. According to Ephesians, one of the marks of a true disciple is that we do forgive. I used this scripture a couple weeks ago. I want to refer back to it. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31. It says, Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and harsh words and slander and all those types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to one another. I use that in the first message of this series. Be kind to one another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Man, we should be the best forgivers out there because we have been forgiven of so much, so much. That word forgive is a little bit deeper than perhaps comes to our mind. It really means an act of grace. When you forgive someone, it's an act of grace. That means they might not even deserve your forgiveness. It doesn't matter. You are acting in a graceful manner because you don't want anything to come in between your relationship with Jesus and with God the Father. It's interesting 
The same word is actually used earlier in Matthew chapter 4. And you might remember this story. Jesus is talking to, to Simon, who is also called Peter, and, uh, and his brother Andrew. And Jesus said to Peter and Andrew, hey, come follow me. And in the King James, it said it, 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 it cast away their nets. I think in New Living, it says it, they left their nets behind. But this word cast away is from the same uh, root word as forgive. You cast it away. They cast away their nets to follow Jesus, and now Jesus is saying, you and I need to cast away our offenses and our hurts and our pain, and we need to be in right relationship with Jesus. That's powerful. But you know, there are scores of professing Christians who are walking around today still saved, but they're miserable because they haven't forgiven others who have hurt them. Old hurts, ill feelings from years ago, maybe offenses that you've just picked up in the last hour. But it begins to fester, and we begin to be consumed by this unforgiveness and bitterness. There are Christians who hold grudges for years, and they just refuse to forgive, and they don't understand that it's doing them the harm. Because they're not only out of relationship with those people, but they're out of relationship with God. God's made it so clear that only he who forgives will live. If you want the abundant life that Jesus has for you, you need to learn how to let go. Just let it go. Cast it away. Forgive. Doesn't mean it's going to be reconciled even. That's a whole different other uh, uh, chapter to that, you know, process. But when you forgive, it frees you to walk in relationship with God. The fourth and final point today is that we do have to talk about the penalty of not forgiving. I'd rather not, but it's part of the Scripture. So we can't ignore it. And unfortunately, you know... It does say if I refuse to forgive others, whether they want it or not, whether they deserve it or not, if I just refuse to forgive them, then I'm going to be out of relationship because I won't have that fellowship forgiveness with God. Our fellowship with God is dependent upon us forgiving other people. Again, not, I'm not talking about our salvation. I'm talking about our fellowship. These verses teach God the Father deals with us in the same way we deal with other people. And when you refuse to, to forgive, you can't be in right relationship with God, with intimacy. David found that true, and he wrote it in Psalm 66. Psalm 66, verse 18. He says, if I had not confessed the sin of my heart, the Lord would not have listened. I think one of the main reasons that there are so many Christians today who don't seem to be able to hear from God is because they haven't worked through this 
unforgiveness that they're carrying or this bitterness they're carrying. I mean, Christians should be the happiest people on the face of the earth. We should be so joyful. We should be enjoying the abundant life of God. How come so many Christians are so grumpy and joyless? I mean, I know some Christians that are just downright miserable. And I know it's not because God doesn't want to give them joy. And I think part of it is because they just haven't learned this principle of Matthew chapter 6. Instead of forgiving and getting on with their lives, they just remain spiritually stagnant. Doesn't mean they're not saved, but they're sure not enjoying their salvation. And that's the tragedy of this scenario. So many don't even realize their sad spiritual state of being. They've lived with, you know, anger, unforgiveness, spite for such a long time. They've accepted it as as kind of normal. And maybe today the Holy Spirit will show you an area of your life. I'm not asking you to go to a person and try to reconcile, but I am asking if the Holy Spirit shows you that you have unforgiveness or you have an offense or you have bitterness in your heart towards somebody, man, you need to let it go. You need to cast it away. You need to forgive it for your sake that you can experience joy and that your relationship with God can be restored. There's a great parable, and we don't have time to look at it, It would be a good assignment for you. Matthew 18, as you ponder and pray and let the Holy Spirit reveal to you uh, the, the truth of this teaching today, maybe sometime this week you could read Matthew chapter 18. It's a, the parable of a king who forgives a servant a debt that was millions of dollars. And then that forgiven man was unwilling to cancel a very, very small debt that was owed to him. And the servant of that parable is like the Christian who even though he's been forgiven much from God, refuses to forgive someone who sinned against them. And that person's in prison. And maybe you're in prison. And there's natural consequences of not forgiving. It's not just you break your your relationship with God, but man, you know, it causes headaches, causes ulcers. The Bible says that jealousy is like a cancer in your bones. Say, you can't carry that kind of destructive attitude and nurse that and not expect it to manifest itself. You know, stress. can be caused by not letting God, not being willing to trust God, not believing, not obeying. So it's not just spiritual health that I want you to have today. It's really physical health too, which is a a side effect of unforgiveness, but it's a real one. True disciples, those of us that really want to follow Jesus, we receive the free gift of forgiveness, both judicial and also when we mess up. 
There are times at the end of the day that I have to say to Jesus, man, I'm sorry. I just, I was angry. I should not have said those sharp words. Was my salvation in jeopardy? No. But I broke fellowship. And so sometimes you have to ask forgiveness to be restored in fellowship. And here Jesus is saying, if we don't forgive horizontally, laterally, as brothers and sisters, as representatives of Christ, then we're going to be out of alignment with a God that loves us so much, that has granted us judicial forgiveness. So sometimes, friends, you just need to absorb the pain, take the loss, but cancel the debt, forgive, so that your relationship with Jesus will be intact.